Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome into the GCLI post-game show. South Carolina falling tonight to Tennessee as they fall now to two and three on the year. And it was a shellacking. Let's just put it for what it is. Gamecocks just did not have things going. Defensively, I felt like going into the half, they were able to do some good things. But unfortunately, that pick six, which we will get into, I, I don't understand the thought process there. It's real easy to be a, you know, a coach coach and just, you know, second-guess stuff. But that, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Third and 22, and you do a six-yard curl with, what, 50 seconds left? You run the football. Tennessee has to use that last time out if they want to score. But, again, we will get into that. Joining us tonight is former Gamecock quarterback Michael Skarnacki. Mike, I'm going to give you the floor first. Just your initial reaction on what you saw tonight from South Carolina. Yeah, well, I, I, didn't, I definitely did not see – offensively speaking, a team that we've seen grow in the past two weeks. From the offensive line, seeing a progression from Georgia to Mississippi State, I don't think we saw it tonight. I think we saw a regression. These guys, especially our offensive tackles, they need to look in the mirror and step up going forward because Spencer almost had no time. They were targeting our tackles. They were, they kept coming. I mean, what do we have? Six, seven sacks on Spencer again, which is absolutely ridiculous. I think, again, we lead the SEC in giving up sacks. It's just constantly Spencer has no time to get the ball out. It's probably why you saw us not having any completions beyond 15, 20 yards. No, what you consider big shots uh, or explosive plays. So we need to figure something out. You know, the couple of times I saw when they kept the tight end in and helped block the D end, it gave Spencer more time. Did our receivers get open as well as they usually do downfield? It's hard to say because most of the game, it seemed like Spencer was running around. But we need to find ways like we did against Georgia and Mississippi State to incorporate the running backs, incorporate the tight ends we have to block those DNs to give Spencer more time. Because right now it seems like without that kind of setup in our offense, it, don't, it doesn't look like we have the capability to give Spencer the time he needs. And then defensively speaking, we couldn't tackle. How many yards did they rush? 200, 300? I, I mean, it's ridiculous. Back-to-back weeks that we're just giving up. You know, last week we were really good against the run, against a good running team. Yeah. This week we couldn't stop the run to save our life. And then – you know, we have two, what, two, I think it was, was a DQ Smith, two turnovers or two picks. And one of them, you know, it's tough. You're on the one yard line and they're bringing pressure when we already have a bunch of, uh, we're already giving up a bunch of sacks. So that was tough. But the other one, I think we scored off of, which is fantastic. It's just frustrating. You know, as Gamecock Nation, you see one team one week and you see another team a different week. We got to figure out tackling. We got to figure out how to set the edge against teams. How many times do we see the running backs for Tennessee bouncing out 
from the it was supposed to be an inside zone and they're bouncing out. We've got to be able to whether that's linebackers, whether that's our DN setting the edge, it's got to be somebody to help out there. I mean, overall, we have a lot to improve on. And I think game cognition, there's not much for me that I'm gonna instill or give you information on that's gonna be wow, like that's such good insider information. I think we all saw what where we flawed at. Now we can discuss more details and I can try and give more insight, but these are the these are the the knowns. Whether you've played football and you've played the D1 NFL level or whether you haven't played it, I think it was pretty obvious to all of us. With what we saw from this offense tonight, because it's real easy right now to go back and be like, all right, this didn't work, that didn't work. I felt like one of the more frustrating parts, and again, I mentioned the interception right off the jump, but what was really frustrating to see is this, and and again, South Carolina was pinned back deep and maybe – with what we saw last week, right? You go 98 yards, and then the very next drive, you go 99 yards. And this is going to be a better defense than you played last week against Mississippi State. And that's not saying Tennessee is the 85 beers by any means. But what I'm trying to get at is USC, despite the fact that the defense stepped up twice right before the half, I think it was seven plays for 14 yards is what they allowed. And I'm not including the final series, which was the kneel down for minus two on one play. So throw that out of the equation. USC did a good job defensively to get the ball back into the offense's hands. And I think, and Colin Taylor put this stat up right around halftime. They had like 16 yards in their final like two drives before the half. So I bring that up though, Mike, because, you know, look, last week in USC's offense, give them a lot of credit. They did a lot of good things. Uh, Defensively, they had their issues in the back end, but at the same time, too, up front, they had nine tackles for a loss, four sacks against Mississippi State. They did a lot of good things up front. I bring that up because as a former offensive player, as a former quarterback, how frustrating is it tonight, especially knowing in the first half, because that's where I feel like the game started to change. Yeah. Your defense gave you an opportunity, gave you an opportunity knowing, okay, Tennessee is going to start with the ball to begin the second half. And you're not able to do anything on back-to-back drives. And obviously, one of those drives resulted in a pick six. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. And you're right. Let me backtrack a little bit. A lot of what we saw defensively started happening in the second half. The first half, you're right. Outside of, I think, the first drive, they kind of stagnated for a while. The pick six didn't help, of course, before halftime. But really, our defense did a good job of putting our offensive position where in the first half, if we could have utilized better offensive production, we could have been up probably by a touchdown or two against Tennessee going into the half. We didn't, though. And so with our offense not producing what they need to to keep our defense off the field and and put points on the board to help our defense against a high-scoring, fast-paced team like Tennessee is, another thing I saw a couple times is it didn't seem like our defense settled in the first quarter. Uh, Second half, they were definitely – it looked like they were gassed and they just – couldn't tackle and they were missing assignments, but the first half, you know, they looked the first couple of drives, they were, they didn't look like they were getting set, you know, and I know all week the coaches were prepping for the fast paced Tennessee offense and it's different facing a scout team versus the real team that actually runs it, which is Tennessee. But a couple of those touchdowns and a couple of those plays probably could have been prevented if we were in position, but back to what you're saying is yes, it's gotta be frustrating from a defensive perspective because when you're out in that field and you're making huge stops, especially against an explosive offense, you're not going to stop them every single drive. And so when you do get them into a slow momentum and they're not having, or they're not having much momentum and you're getting to stop them and get the ball back to your offense, but your offense isn't producing anything, it's got to be frustrating on your defense. But 
you know, our defense is going to continue playing, but you're hoping your offense can somehow help them in some manner. But, you know, Mario Anderson was great tonight. I think Gamecock Nation is very excited that we have a running back who's, you know, out there capable. He's showing great ability and he's out there giving us opportunities to one, help our pass game, which is going to need help if we're not going to be able to pass block for long. But two, it's going to mix up defenses. It's going to force them to put them into um, into certain coverages that may be more beneficial to Spencer and our pass offense. But we're going to have to continue to utilize that. So I just wanted to give a shout-out to Mario because I thought Mario was great tonight. And I think most of Gamecock Nation probably would agree with that. But we're going to need to figure out how to utilize our offensive or our, our pass game to keep our defense off the field because you're right. They were making big stops in the first half. Yeah, and I think, again – that's not to say the defense didn't have their flaws tonight, right? We can go back earlier in the game. I think it was right after the first touchdown for South Carolina. Uh, when they scored, it was um, – when was it? It was uh, right after the field goal from Mitch Jeter, I believe. No, excuse me. Let me go back. It was the touchdown after um, Spencer Rattler had the six-yard run. Mm-hmm to make it uh, 10-7 South Carolina, and then what happens? Tennessee, right down the field, they score. I think it was maybe a minute 20, minute yeah. 21 to be exact. So, And obviously the big play in that drive, I'm looking at the stat sheet now, four plays, 75 yards, a minute and 21. The thing about that drive, which took place, was a massive, massive completion for Tennessee, just a huge gain through the year. So I bring that up because – and I'm going to pull up the stat sheet right now and just kind of hit upon it um, – God, you know, I, I was way off tonight. I mean, I had a really bold prediction. I must have been um, drinking, drinking some of the jungle juice or something. Holy cow. I, I said that tonight, maybe. And I, and I did pick South Carolina lose tonight. I thought they would cover at least. But I thought maybe, okay, the run defense will be better. You're going up against one of the best rushing attacks in the country. Yeah. You know, Tennessee came in tonight, ranked eighth in the country in rushing offense. And they proved that tonight. They rushed for 238 yards. Jalen Wright, their star running back, he had 123 yards on 16 carries, averaging just shy of eight yards a carry and as long of, of 42. So I bring that up because on the flip side of it, Mike, you brought it up too with Mario Anderson. He had an incredible game. Now, obviously, a lot of that 101 yards tonight came on that 75-yard touchdown run to begin yeah. the second half. Uh, 10 carries for 100, 101 yards. Um, Juju McDowell. I haven't seen him in the backfield in quite some time. Three carries, four yards, and a carry-on joiner, only two carries for one yard. Now, obviously, the fact that they were playing from behind, I'm sure that factors into why we didn't see South Carolina run the football as much. Mm -hmm. 27 rushes for 132 yards. But again, you take that one rush away from Mario Anderson, and that puts you at, what, 26 rushes for, and you do the math on that, What's it's like 60-something. Yeah, you got to take away Spencer's 11, too. I mean, most of those were yep, Spencer, 11 carries for 19 yards. And I haven't looked at the – that they have, like, the the extra stat now on how many yards, the sack yards. So I bring this up, though, Mike, because – and you know this, too. USC, heading into tonight, their last seven games, when they were able to run the football for at least 100 yards, 3-0, and in those other four games, 1-3. and So I bring that up, that other one being the Clemson game last year. I bring that up because they were able to run the football tonight. But even though that stat says 100-plus yards rushing, it's kind of misleading. 
And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. My whole point yeah. being is you take that run away, which I hate doing that stuff because there's a bunch of reporters that will do that crap and they'll make a narrative into whatever. But I think we can all agree you take that Mario Anderson run away, which was incredible. And it's awesome to see what Mario's doing. But you take that run away. USC didn't establish a rushing attack tonight. And that's the most frustrating part, I feel like. You, you, we can look at multiple things, but that's one of the mo more frustrating things tonight because we knew how important that was going to be heading into this game. Because if Tennessee didn't respect your run, they're not going to bring down a safety. They're not going to put an extra linebacker in the box. Mississippi State did that. Look what happened last week. 18 yeah. of 20, almost 350 yards passing, three touchdowns from Rattler. And again, different defense, but still – Tennessee didn't respect you running, and why should they? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think a lot of times you'll see with Duggins, you'll see him go immediately out of the run game into the so-called run game, the run game run game ask with the screen. You know, he'll do a lot of the RPO screen work where we're throwing it to the receivers out in the wide and then releasing out the linemen. And my question is, you know, those are great plays and we've scored off them. We've great, but we we can't just rely on that. You're right. We got to establish our run game at some point. And, you know, you take away that one run, one big run, like you're saying, Mario has nine rushes, which nine rushes is not a lot of rushes. You know, most of the teams, especially the top teams in the nation, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, just looking at Tennessee alone, their two top running backs collectively had 27 carries. And, you know, they were on the field a little bit longer than us, but they were also converting first downs. You know, running the ball also makes it easier for us to establish an, a, a more manageable second down and a more manageable third down. And the reason I say that is because defenses, they're going to go into certain coverages. They're going to stack the boxes. They're going to go into certain blitz packages. Whatever the case may be, it's more difficult to throw the ball and convert it when it's second and 10, third and 10. Or if you're establishing a run game on first and second down and you're able to get it to a third and short or a second and short, it's just easier to play call because it's more manageable and you kind of – it's offensive coordinators can predict better, statistically speaking, what the defense is going to run. If you can predict what the defense is going to run, you can call the, a better play call or the perfect play call for that situation. When you're dealing with third and long because you can't run the ball, it's just hard to play because you don't know what the defensive coach is going to call back there. And it's just they can blitz, they can drop back and drop eight, and it just makes it difficult on the QB to manage that play call. Another thing is that I was going to bring up that I want to see. It's on, I think it's on the team stats. We only had 11 first downs, and we were 2 of 14 on third down efficiency. Two of 14, I can say, if I saw that statistic, I would immediately thought that team lost the game. You look at third down, we've got to be able to convert third downs. And I understand a lot of those third downs, you know, we have some penalties on the offensive line. We have some penalties here and there that are setting us back a little bit. But we've won, we've got to tighten up our discipline when it comes to penalties and whether that's holding or false starting. I don't know how many we had tonight, but those the ones that we did had to put us in a bad situation. But We've got to be able to convert first downs and stay on the field and give our defense a break because, you know, we've looked good these past couple of weeks. I mean, Georgia, you know, you're facing Georgia, one of the best teams. Mississippi State, though, offensive, good. We were converting. But today, I don't – just wasn't clicking. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, we got to call our, our good friend Alex from Bra Alex from Brazil. Alex, you got me? Yeah, I'm here. All right, sweet. Uh, go ahead, boss. Yeah, um, man, that was a. Uh, I think the thing that was most frustrating for me was that like it just never really seemed like we were in the game, uh, especially after the pick six. But you can't even put that much on on Spencer because he's done so much this year, and, and really looks so good. So it's it disappointing for him. But like, 
man, just getting gashed for the run and, and seeing Milton not even play that well. And they just stay that far ahead of us the whole game. It was, uh, it was pretty frustrating. Um, I mean, I guess the only positive thing is like, you know, as bad as this game was, they didn't look as bad as they had looked in the past two years. I mean, it's kind of a, a game where nothing goes right. And, you know, you're just bad and not absolutely terrible like they had been uh, a couple of years when they were at their at their lowest. But that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Alex, we always appreciate you calling in, especially from Brazil, man. Get some sleep tonight. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, guys. I, I love listening to the show. You know, it's – it's always great to hear you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you again, Alex. Appreciate it. We appreciate Alex. Mike, I, I think, too, when we look at tonight, he mentioned Joe Milton didn't have, like, a crazy game. Now, yeah. obviously, we know, and this is a stat that goes back to last year with tonight's game, Tennessee has now rushed for at least 100 yards in their last nine games. Nine games. And if you really want to go back, and I could be off by one game, so don't put this in stone, but I believe this is their 15th time in their last 16 games that they've been able to rush for 100 yards. Now, of course, tonight they eclipsed the 200-yard mark. So I bring that up because when you're able to do that, and it goes without saying, you don't have to be freaking Bear Bryant to know that, that if your quarterback's not having a phenomenal game, and I felt like for the most part, Milton managed the game well. He had some, you know, some bad turnovers they weren't in the red zone, but they came down. You know what I mean? Like they were in the 30, 40 yard line, the, the interception, I think deep um, with Jalen Kilgore, one of the interceptions he had. And then obviously DQ Smith. I, I bring that up because with USC, they just weren't able to capitalize on it. And obviously some of those situations, they were pinned back. And as I mentioned before, maybe we take it for granted just a little bit because of what took place last week, different defense, of course, but they went 98 yards. They went 99 yards. So I bring that up because, it's frustrating to know that, yes, you didn't stop the run, which going into it, as we mentioned on quick slants on Gamecock Central on Thursday, that was one of the major keys in this game. You had to stop the run. They weren't able to do that. However, however, they were able to get off the field on some third downs. They struggled a lot on third downs tonight, but they were able to get off the field on some third downs because they were able to stop Joe Milton. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, though, when the defense did that, it's kind of been this this narrative all season. When the offense is able to do something well, the defense, they've been struggling. Defense picked up the load, again, right before half. They did some good things in the second half. wasn't consistent, but at the same time, too, this is a high-powered offense in Tennessee. They're going to get theirs at some point. They do that. Offense goes back on the field, and what happens? Three and out, three and out, three and out. And as you guys both know, if you're going up against an offense that – runs a no huddle, does the high tempo stuff, right? The defense, if your offense is going out there, three and out, three and out, three and out, defense can be gassed. And I'm not saying the defense should be off the hook in general, but they struggled, of course, in some third downs. But when they did get off the field, the offense didn't help them out. Yeah, guys, I mean, I, I my initial thoughts, I mean, on this one, you got to be able to stop the run. I had a lot of confidence in this run defense. After last week, I mean, Mississippi State, their whole game was running the ball, right? And you saw an utter just dominance in the, in the run game or stopping the run game from South Carolina. And then you have Tennessee's backs, their two main backs combined for a total of 100, I think, 83 or 82 yards, 182 yards on, you know, 27 carries. You got to be better. I mean, I, I, I just didn't understand how they, I mean, you would expect they would have carried some momentum 
run defensively. And I mean, but Tennessee's backs are also really, really good. Having Jabari Small in there was big. I mean, going into this week, he was hurt and it, it was going to be a question whether or not he played or if he was going to be at full health. But he, I mean, the way he played tonight, man, looked he looked pretty healthy to me. Um, and and this defense, it I mean, you, you, you caused the turnovers from Joe Milton. You just had to stop the run. That was one of the keys going into this week. And you didn't yep. get it done. You, I mean, you, you just didn't get it done offensively. I mean, we saw the run game. I think Mario Anderson is, is the official bell cow back, right? Um, he, he played, you know, really, really well. Best, I mean, best offensive performance we've seen from South Carolina running back arguably all year. Um, so it, it's good that Mario got his legs under him, but you just, you need a f- complete performance. And I think on both sides of the ball, you, you just didn't see that, right? Like defensively, it was stopping the run offensively. They just had to get some things going as we got another caller one. I'm going to let intern Joe take that real quick. Uh, Mike, just some of the thoughts on what Joe just said and anything, if you just want to piggyback off that. Yeah, I think he brought up a couple good points. One being, you know, if you stop the run against Tennessee, who they are a good run team. It's going to be crucial because of how fast they play. If they're not completing the ball on the outside with throwing it, then they're going to rely on the run game. And so if we're able to stop the run game while also slowing down their pass game, they don't have great offensive production. I think that's what we saw last year. We were able to slow their run game down last year, and their QB situation was they had to rely on their pass game. But if their pass game is not clicking like it really wasn't tonight, because we were playing, for the most part, pretty good coverage in the back end, then they're not they're, – they're, you're going three now. They're punting the ball very quickly, and they're getting the ball back to us, and we're able to utilize those quick turnarounds. But tonight, that wasn't the case. Tonight, we couldn't stop the run. And for the most part, I thought we were playing good coverage, so I don't understand why we weren't putting six in the box. And if we, when we were putting six in the box, we just weren't able to stop the run. A lot of times I saw they were doing these pin and pulls with their offensive line where the running backs were looking for an inside cut, but they ended up bouncing it. Because we had no one setting the edge. And it was frustrating because how many times did I see or did we all see them bounce the edge when they were initially looking for an inside zone and then they get eight, 10 yards or more? And there was plenty of times you're like, man, if we could have just set the edge, they would have had nothing. We've got to figure out whether that's the linebackers washing around and fi- figuring out how to stop that or that's our DNs staying out. We've got to, we've got to either get them more disciplined or game plan better to stop that kind of stuff. Because I thought our interior D line was holding well for them not being able to run inside zone against us. Yeah, absolutely. We got our another our next caller on the line, Cole Davis. Cole, you're on the GC Live postgame show. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's just frustrating not seeing us push the ball down the field. I see our left tackle getting beaten, you know, getting bull rushed around the edge there. Uh, what do you think the thoughts are on, you know, not shipping a tight end or running back on that side and us not trying to push the ball down the field, especially in the second half? Yeah, absolutely. Cole, we appreciate you calling in, boss. Thank you. Guys, you got some thoughts? Mike, you go first. Mike, go first. Yeah, so I guess in the in the aspect of tight end, he was talking about tight ends helping out with the blocking, just confirming what he said or what he was asking. Yeah, so, I, yeah, we needed to do that more, um, especially with, you know, I think what what class is the left tackle freshman, I think, I believe? Yep. Freshman. Yeah. Freshman. Louis Tosin, yep. You know, so – you're going to expect mistakes. You're not going to expect a flawless game. And by far, did he have a, a good game on, on what we expect from our left tackle in Gamecock football? So he needs to step up. But as an offensive coordinator, when you're seeing your tackle struggling, put the tight end in. Chip block. You can still get your tight end back out. You just need to slow down the pass rush. And a couple of times they did it, I think we saw Spencer have time. 
Now, the frustrating part is I don't think our receivers were getting much separation in the back or in the downfield tonight. They really yeah. struggled tonight, which was shocking to me because for the most part, we were great with getting separation. Omega Blake, um, Xavier Leggett. But I guess in the aspect of we have a bunch of different athletes, we started getting Trey Knox involved. And I thought Trey looks good for the most part, um, catching the ball and getting open and finding ways to get the ball to him. But I think the reason we saw the ball getting going to Trey more is because our other receivers weren't getting separation. And which is kind of shocking to me. But I, to his question, I think we do need to help out. I think we need to bring the tight ends in because we have tight ends who are capable of adding a different, a, a new element of protection, even if it's for another half second or one second to give Spencer the time needed to find the receiver downfield. Because I think we all know how special, special Spencer is and how talented of an arm he has, especially with how smart he's been with seeing the field, reading the field, and finding the right player. We just need to give him that time because when he has the time, he, he's great. He's one of the best in the nation. And we just need to continue to run the ball with um with Mario. Now that we have our, our number our running back one, we need to find ways to continue to establish the run with him because it's going to, again, help out our pass offense. It's going to help out our offensive line. And overall, it should help out. And I say should because I'm not going to guarantee that, but it should help out our offensive production, both for explosive plays and, and pass protection. So, you know, the offense coordinator, he's got some things to figure out. And I think – Again, I trust in these guys right now. I hope they figure things out. Um, so we'll see going into next week. I think what well, we have we have a bye week before. Yep. Before uh, Florida. Yep. Yeah, Florida. Yep. Then on the opposite side of that, I believe, and I could be off a little bit, so forgive me. But I believe it is um, Missouri on the road, and then you got to go to A and M on the road back to back weeks, which is never easy. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, to end the regular season, South Carolina will have four home games. Uh, I want to bring up a couple of things. We saw a couple of questions here. Yeah, we had a couple of questions. I do want to bring one thing up in particular. OK, I was very high on and I gave him a lot of credit last week. And I, I don't want to be one of these reporters that say something. And then it seems like you're dancing around it. If people have been following me since I've been here in 2016, you guys know that I'm very direct. I gave a lot of credit to Lonnie Teasley last week, and I still give him a lot of credit for what they've been able to do in short period of time. That does not excuse the fact that Tennessee had six sacks tonight. Don't get that misconstrued. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying. And I'm not making excuses, but as we've mentioned before, and it wasn't just Louis and Bubalade. It wasn't just the true freshman on the offensive line. There was other issues too, but – when you do have young guys up front, there's going to be growing pain. So we can't act when things happen, when crap hits the fan. We can say these things on a Tuesday or a Wednesday when the coaches have their press conferences and they're like, yeah, you know what? That's great. You know, man, yeah, Spencer Rattler is saying the right thing. Dal Loggins is saying the right thing in terms of, you know what? Yeah, full start or hold or they give up a sack. Hey, it's part of the process. It is part of the process. It is. But when it happens in a game, we can't just sit back and just be like, we, we forget all about that. Again, that doesn't excuse what happened tonight. That's not the reason why South Carolina got their teeth kicked in on the offensive line. I think Tennessee just has a better pass rush, and they just weren't able to handle it for the most part. Again, that's one of the better pass rushes in the country. I believe Tennessee actually leads the country in sacks. So I bring that up, though. Yeah, I bring that up. Because, yeah, I bring that up, though, because it's part of it. We can't sit here especially when South Carolina wins against Mississippi State, and be like, you know what, man, 
wow, that that pass protection up front. Yeah, there's going to be some growing pains, but man, what a great job they did. What a great job they did. And then the following week, if they struggle, be like, you know what? Hey, the growing pains, you know, you, you can't have it both ways. Like the old saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And that's what happened tonight. There's other stuff that happened tonight. And that's not excusing. That's not making excuses. But we sit here so often, right? Again, talking Tuesdays, uh, GC Live afternoon drive on Thursdays. And I'm sure Wes and Chris, they talk about it as well. We've talked about it on post-game shows too. It's part of it defensively. Stone Blanton, yeah, didn't have a great game tonight. Didn't have a great game two weeks ago. Had a pretty good game last week. It's a sophomore. Yeah. Nick Eamon Worry, probably one of his best games he's had all season. I'm not saying he didn't. There's probably plays tonight if we go back. DQ Smith had a really good game in comparison to what happened last week. This team's friggin' young. Like we've been talking about this going back to the spring. Absolutely. We're a young team. It doesn't excuse things. But what we're trying to get at is if we're going to sit here, especially when they win games, and say, oh, there's growing pains. Oh, they're young players. When they lose, we can't be sitting there and be like, oh, they don't know what they do. we got to get them out of there. You can't have it both ways. It's going to happen. They're a young friggin' team. They're not a team that's ready for that next step quite yet. I do think they're going to get better as the year goes on. It's not making excuses for tonight, but it's just the reality because we talk about it so much. So when they lose, let's not sit here and be so shocked why some of these things are happening, especially to the younger players. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, I'm glad you brought up the Tennessee defense. That defensive line is one of the best in the country, and we saw that tonight. Six sacks, they're continuing the trend, that they're, the, the, the terror that they have, this defense has been on. I mean – it's really, really, really good. And I think that Florida loss, I mean, that they, they've been a different team since then. Um, and so, I, I mean, obviously they've had this one circled. Um, and, and Erlen, I love, you know, your comment. I, I, I appreciate you tuning in as always. Too many self-inflicted wounds. Absolutely. Like, you can't do that in, on a, in a tough environment like Knoxville um, on the road in a, in a night game as big as this one is. If you want to go out, you had to play, you know, near perfect football. And they didn't, right? Like they, they missed on, on a couple phases and they, they just didn't have it. And I'm, Mike, I'm also glad you brought up Nicky Minwari and DQ Smith. Those guys bounced back in a very big way. I mean, they did not have a good week last week at all. Um, but, I mean, they they bounced back. And it, it just stinks when sometimes, you know, you have those those type of players bounce back when you need them. And then when you, when you have the guys that have been playing well and you need them to keep playing well and keep that momentum rolling – it's just tough, man, when, when, when that doesn't happen. And you just can't get it in all phases. It, it's a really, really hard loss to swallow. And I, I know it's going to leave a bad taste in their mouth. And I also agree. I, I think this bye week is going to be big because Florida, you got a chance at Florida to really, really prove something at home um, and back in front of your home crowds. This Florida team has been back and forth all year long. And, you know, then you have two really tough road tests, one in Mizzou. I mean, Mizzou is, continues to play really well and look like a top 25 team. So Missouri, Missouri's going to be a real challenge, especially on the road. I mean, they're a fluky team, man, and so you got to bring your best and, and put them away early. And then obviously Texas A&M. I mean, they've they've also looked good, I, missing their quarterback or not. They're still a very good team. So you need the bye week. You need some rest. Just yeah, I got to set that. you off real quick, okay? Yeah, and I've seen a couple do. comments here. I've seen a couple comments. <laughs> This isn't friggin' Madden, okay? 
This isn't just put a player in right away and everything's going to work. Now, South Carolina has had some young players that have gone in and have done some really freaking good things. DQ Smith did some good things last year. Nick Eamon Worry was an All-American last year as a freshman. Okay? Still, they're young. They're young. There's going to be players out there across the country that are having success that are young. There's no question about that. However, that doesn't mean whatever's going on, right? Like what's going on at your neighbor's house doesn't mean if you have the same issue, everything's going to be solved the same just because, okay, they're doing it this way. I'm not making excuses. It's just the reality of it. We've talked so much about how young this team is. So much. Last week, in the last two weeks of the press conferences, go back. Go back. Go back and see how many true freshmen, or just freshmen in general, sophomores, are speaking on Tuesdays. I can't recall this many younger players speaking this early. Now, again, obviously, the Will Muschamp era, he had like the saving rule, and the freshmen didn't speak. My point being is, the growing pains that are taking place here, who gives two you-know-whats about what's going on at Colorado? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what's going on at a different school. Worry about what's on your friggin' lawn because we talk about this so much. People get so freaking irritated when we want to talk about another school. So here we are after a loss. Real easy. Real easy to go say, oh, look at Colorado. Look at Alabama. Look at this school. Alabama plays a lot of veterans, by the way. They're able to mask a lot of that with the underclassmen. So, again, they have younger players. There's going to be growing pains. I do think, and I can't remember who put the comment out there, but um, I'm glad they did. You don't have to be an expert in football to know this. Having the bye week, having the idle week next week is going to be massive for this team. Could not come at a better time. Mario Anderson starting to gain some confidence. A lot of these younger guys that we're starting to see out there, they're gaining confidence. Yeah, for some of them tonight, not even just the younger guys, the team in general. A lot of guys, I'm sure, they're feeling down about themselves. But you have this bye week. You have this bye week. Joe, I know you have a thought. I do want to go to Mike, though, after that and ask Mike about when you go into the bye week on a loss, you're under 500, you're two and three. I'm going to ask you your thoughts. I'm going to ask you, Joe, you take care of that. Mike, just your thoughts, though, heading into the bye week, two and three, and where the mess, what's the message to this team? What's the focus moving forward as you get ready to play Florida in two weeks at home? Well, the message has got to be, it's got, this is a time to refocus. This is a time where it's going to be, it's a pivotal point in this team for where they, where they want to be at the end of the year. Going into Tennessee, everyone was asking me, you know, what's the score is Tennessee's going to blow us out. I was like, listen guys, Tennessee has not looked good. We've looked inconsistent. I don't know if this is going to be a blowout or we blow them out. Who knows what's going to happen in this game? Obviously the worst happened against us, but going forward, I think, I really think it depends again, what Gamecock team we have. So every game that we have going forward, though, is going to be a toss-up. We could beat every single one of these teams going forward. We really can. If we play the way we played against, you know, first half Georgia or offensively against um, Mississippi State, but tighten some things up with defense. But this bye week is going to be big because now we have to go in here. We've tightened up our run block. We have to figure out some issues where where we lack some depth. We have to find out how we can give Spencer some more time. This time in the bye week is crucial in the aspect that Beamer's got to preach that this is the moment we got to group together because the rest of the games going forward are games we can win as a team. And 
I'm not just saying that to say that. We really can win the rest of these games if we group together. We have the QB. We have the skill set on the receivers. We have good talent on defense. We just need to click together as a group and a unit because we haven't yet. It's been this or that. It's kind of like my golf game. My driver may be on, but my irons are off or vice versa. Right now, it's like our run block is good, but our defense is off or our defensive right. our defensive backs are missing. So we got to figure out how we put that all together. This bye week, though, what team – so fans, what bye weeks are for a lot of times is to utilize the areas you're weak, get your senior guys some practice. But for the most part, it's to get your younger guys practice because right now we do have a lot of young guys starting. Yes, we have a lot of senior guys playing as well as one person pointed out. Yes. But you also have a lot of guys who are young starting in key positions. So this bye week is going to be crucial in the aspect that we can get those guys more reps because – the only thing going to get somebody more mature and better in the position that they're playing. Mike, I'm going to cut you off for a minute, Joe. I don't know if the audio is uh, choppy for you a little bit for Mike. Um, we'll get back to Mike in a minute. Though. Joe, do you have a caller? Mike back on. It was a little choppy. Yeah, absolutely. I got Rush on the phone. Rush, you got me? Yeah, man. Y'all doing yeah. all right tonight? Yeah, trying to. All right, Rush, what all you right. got? So I, I really think that we had a shot there going into halftime. We would just ran the ball going in by seven. I think the pick six uh, really, really killed our momentum. And uh, I really think the play calling tonight uh, changed a little bit. And uh, I mean, I want to, I want to get y'all thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. Rush, thank you for calling in as always and watching the show. Scar, what you got from that, man? Yeah. So the play calling aspect, it's always a hit or miss. I think a lot of times they're calling a great play, great game plan going forward on a couple of drives, but then there's some things that don't make sense to me. You know, there's some plays where it's third and short, third and medium, and we're running plays that don't even get to the sticks. And I'm just like, I don't understand why we're doing this. Or we're running a complete man beater when they're playing zone coverage. There's some plays where I think we need to have the ability to audible mid play before, Spencer snaps the ball because something, some plays, listen, it's a guessing game when you're out there. You're calling a play based on what statistics show that the defense runs and this, you know, three by one set or two by two set on this down and distance. And so you call it, but sometimes it doesn't work. And that's why a lot of coaches, offense coordinators have a system where they can build in audibles or they can build in the change of plays and the defense may change, but we've got to do something because the, a lot of those plays I saw on third and medium where we potentially could have converted them, we're running plays that are going to most likely lose to the defensive coverage they're playing right now in that moment. And I think we saw that. I think we saw, I think, I don't know, three or four times where we had a third or fourth and short or a third and long, and we threw a play, a, a pass ball or a pass that was not even beyond the sticks, hoping that the receiver is going to go and make a play. And it's like we got to start be able to establish plays that are going beyond the sticks. I don't think we had one explosive play beyond the run. In the pass game, we didn't have – maybe one to Trey Knox. I don't think we had many pass plays that were vertical threats. You know, a lot of times, I don't know why we weren't utilizing Xavier Leggett in the threat in the, in the vertical game. He has been a threat against every defense, Georgia defense, Mississippi state defense, and the vertical threat. We've, we should have established that. I think we can get a little bit more aggressive in the pass game. I think we need to commit a little bit more to the run game. The screens, also, and we also need to add in protection to Spencer and get those tight ends involved because right now we don't have the time for that. So it overall can improve, but we just need sometimes we need to get more aggressive. We have the athletes. 
tweet. And then we got you live now. Ronald, we got Ronald on the phone. Ronald, go ahead, boss. You're on the GC Live post game show. Hey, Mike. Hey, Joe. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, that to me the biggest issue is the protection, and Mike has hit it top notch. It's the protection of Spencer Rattler. Number two. Why is anyone not questioning the defense at this point? The defense is going actually in the wrong direction. And and no, no one's talking about it. Uh, just like to hear y'all's opinion on that. And yeah. that's it. Absolutely. Ronald, thank you for calling in. We really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Yeah, I mean, he makes a good point. I mean, this defense hasn't been – you know, all sunshine and rainbows. They've had a lot of things to fix week in and week out. And I mean, Mike's correct me if I'm wrong, but like, it just seems like week in and week out, like there's one, one phase of the defense that just isn't working and it leads to big scores on one side. And I mean, it stinks because like when one thing is working, the other's not. And it's just, it's, it's no, there's no in between, right? One thing is good. One thing is very bad. And so I think that's, I mean, for me, at least that's what I'm seeing with this defense. They just need to get it together on all phases. I think, I mean, even against, even against Furman, I don't think we saw this defense play well in, in all phases. So, that, I mean, that's what I got from Ronald. I don't know what you guys got. Um, yeah, I, we definitely need to get better. I mean, I think against Mississippi State, Tennessee, and North Carolina, we give up 30 points. When you're giving up 30 points against top teams, it's hard to win because – you know, scoring 30 points is the goal as an offense. We were always preached, if you can score 30 points, you're in a very strong likelihood to win that game. But right now, it's not. if you score 30 points, you might lose those games. Our defense hasn't been – you're right. Our defense hasn't been playing. I think another issue is, too, outside of bringing in a, 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 a blitz package to get to the QBs, we don't have a four-man front right now that's capable of consistently getting to the QB. Here and there, they get to the QB, but without a blitz package, I don't think we have a lot of – ability to consistently put pressure on the QBs to make um, to make their life hell. I think sometimes when we brought those blitz packages today, tonight against Tennessee, you saw Milton struggle. He wasn't able to set his feet. He was moving around the pocket. He wasn't accurate, had to throw it away. But that also exposes you in the backfield when you're losing a player or two because of a blitz that's also leaving more area for a receiver to go into that area and the QB maybe to find that position. So it does expose you more. But we've got those 2012, those years, we could just rely on our front four. We didn't have to bring blitzes because yep. that front four was so good at getting at the QB and also run stopping that you could just play coverage in the back without having to worry. We're not that right now. We can't just say, well, we were that in 2012. Why aren't we that now? We don't have the players we had. So you have to utilize better packages that put our players that we have now in a position to perform better. I don't know what the answer is right now because it seems like when we do bring blitz packages in, the D, the offense changes their structure and they start playing more outside throws and getting the ball out quick, and it exposes our DBs. And you're like, well, what the heck? Well, it's because we brought in, you know, we we left those areas open and we became exposed because of bringing a blitz. But we have to get to the QB because right now the QBs have a bunch of time back there and they're shredding our defense when they do. There's so many this and that's that we need to figure out when it comes to our defense, but. We've got to find a package where we can get it together, where we can get one pressure on the QB to both help out our DBs without having to just expose yep. ourselves because of blitz packages. I want to talk about Dre because uh, Dre's question, and Dre, I don't know if you're still listening. If you are, we appreciate it. If not, we appreciate you sending the question in about 20 minutes ago. Dre says, can someone give us some feedback on Stone Bland? Don't think he played well tonight. Where's Pup? 
as everyone that has been listening to me knows, I'm very high on Stone. So when I give him criticism, it's because I think he's going to continue to get better. Um, Dre's here. Was it one of his better games tonight? Certainly not. Certainly not. I think there's been times this season, and we mentioned it week one against North Carolina, where he was put in a more of a spy position on Drake May, and he was moving around. He showed that he's faster than he was a year ago. Now, does that mean he's frigging, you know, cheetah, and he's, you know, running a 4-5 or a 4 No. Um, but, but I think, too, with this bye week, Dre, if you are hoping to see Pup, and I think, you know, I think Stone's going to bounce back because the thing with Stone, with what we've seen this season, if he's had a bad game, he bounces back the next week. He's not as consistent as you'd like him to be. And I don't have the snap, the number of snaps in front of me, and I'm not trying to make an excuse with that. But certainly outside of last week, and Pup started to play a little bit more. Stone, Debo Williams, the linebacker core, because it's so thin, especially after Mokaba went down early in the year in week one, those linebackers are having to play a hell of a lot more snaps than what they probably should. Stone Bland, and again, I think he can be a very talented linebacker here. But the problem is he's probably playing a little bit more snaps than what he would have been asked to do if um, Okaba didn't go down. So I bring that up because I think with this bye week, with the way that Pup continues to grow, the way that he's continuing to come on, and we've mentioned this about Nick Harbor, but it's just worth reminding people, Pup Howard also got banged up a little bit during preseason camp. So for some of these freshmen, yes, some freshmen are able to uh, excel a little bit quicker than others, right? You can always find outliers. There's no question about that. But with Pup's situation, getting banged up, he's a freshman already. He's behind the eight ball. He's had to play a little catch up and he's been able to do that. And that's why we're starting to see him a little bit more. And I'd be interested to see how many snaps he played tonight. Um, I certainly think after the bye week, he'll continue to play more. And it's not necessarily indicative of the performance or lack thereof if Stone's not playing well or if Debo Williams isn't playing well, which of course Debo, and I'm not saying he was perfect tonight. But he's been playing on another level as well from a defensive standpoint. And I mean, shoot, he's playing nearly every snap. He's played every snap in some games. So I, I bring that up tonight because I do think we will start to see Pup a little bit more because this bye week, not just Pup, but some of these younger players. I know we got a Nick Harbor question in there, not to get too far off track, but going in a different direction, not just Harbor, but for some of these guys. And we talked about this with. Shoot, Pete Lembo from a special team standpoint on Wednesday, you're going to hit that mark now, right? You're hitting that mark. There's five games in. You're heading into the bye week. You have to start asking the card questions as to, okay, who's going to get redshirted? Who's not going to get redshirted, yeah. right? I mean, for a guy like Lenora Sellers, and this has been a line that we've mentioned many, many times, many times, you have to ask yourself, what is in the best interest of not only that student athlete, but what is in the best interest of the program for not just this season, but for the future? So, you know, look, there were situations tonight, fourth and one. Would it have been great to have Lenoris out there? Absolutely. But you have to ask yourself, is it worth putting him out there for one play? Because, again, if you take Lenoris out, you have to take off one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, he had a rough night tonight, but you know what? The protection wasn't phenomenal. I don't care who you have as a quarterback back there. So you have to ask yourself, are you going to redshirt shirt Lenoris? Are you going to redshirt Nick Harbour? These are the questions that you're going to have to start to answer and I'm not saying you have to answer them by next week, but I'm not going to be shocked if we start not to seeing as many of these freshmen 
after the bye week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Mike, that, that is a good point, right? It is starting to get to that point in the season where you are starting to talk about red shirts, right? And Nick Harbour might be one of those guys at this point. Like, I, I'm not sure what what exactly is wrong. And I love how I get, get a call. I will take that and be right back. Take this. I'll take it over from there. But, yeah, I agree with him. Like, you, when you figure those things out, it's important because you kind of want those extra year of development. You don't want to have to rush those guys in because if they only get two games in, then you didn't really develop them into the player. They, that extra year could be crucial, assuming they stay. You know, and also this bye week is going to be big because, like, maybe the Nick Harbors. A lot of fans are asking, why aren't we seeing him on the field? It really could be that the fact that he's either, one, not healthy and we don't know about it, which I don't think is the case, or two, he's just not mentally ready for the game. He's not picking up the offense. He's not performing in practice, which is probably the case, which is no knock on him. It's hard to adjust from high school to college. And I'm sure there's plenty of players who we have that are either on the field or not in the field, but they're forced into a position and they're not really fully ready for it because it's a lot. When you go from high school to college, there's a lot of difference. It's the speed. It's the nature of the game. It's also the playbook. The playbook becomes way more dense. And so it takes time for us to develop. You know, you're across the nation, you're going to see freshmen, true freshmen come in and step up. And, you know, I think there's those are rare players for the majority of the players who come in as freshmen. They're going to have to take time to develop into their second, third year before you really see them bloom. So do you burn those do you burn those red shirts on those guys? I would say no, especially on the on the sellers or the harbor. I think you need to. Yeah. Again, Frederick says it. He's adjusting. It is a new position. He is the athlete we all think he is. I just cut you off just to remind some people because they, they they forget this fact of, of when it comes to Harbor. He was a DN. He was a tight end in high school. And yeah. not only that, we mentioned this with Pop Howard. Harbor was behind the eight ball too because he got banged up towards the end of fall camp. So not only is he yeah. learning a new position, but he's yeah. also got banged up and he's doing that. My, uh, Joe, you got a caller for us? We're going to wrap things up after this call though. We're yeah, after- absolutely. We got Wes on the line. Wes, go ahead. Wes, you yeah, got me. Yeah. Um, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, all good. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm just calling in. Um, you know, I watched the game tonight. I'm actually not a huge South Carolina fan. I'm turning into a South Carolina fan. I, I ended up um, – the reason I'm calling in is I think you got to give the kid – you got to give the freshman a shot. And so what the reason I say that is I watched Lenore Sellers play. I've seen him. I've followed him through part of what South Carolina, what he's done there in the, the short time that he's been there, even though it was against, you know, third-string competition. He, he's a guy that you got to get him a package at least in this in their game plan. you got to give him something. He's a – you know, they struggle with, like, in two-yard uh, two and short, you know, uh, set packages. And that's a guy that you run him like you did with like a Tim Tebow set. Spencer Rattler, he's good. He's he is who he is. We've seen him for the last whatever the last two years here. He does not have the pocket awareness. You watch him; he pops up into the pocket instead of getting outside of the pocket to, to buy himself more time to get the deep ball. So I like him. Um, the future is not him. The future is with the kid Lenoris. And I'm telling you, the kid is going to be unbelievable. You got to get the guy some time right now. So I know that they're not going to. He's listed as third string because of what happened. 
in Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams where, you know, they put additional pressure on them. But that's, you know, it is what it is. But you got to get the kid some playing time now. He's the future of the program. And uh, that's I'll, I'll uh, hang up now and kind of listen to what you guys say. Yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate the call. You're not going to take Spencer Rattler out over Lenore Sellers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's things that Rattler has done this season where he has been one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Now, if you want to make an argument as to Sellers shouldn't redshirt this year because South Carolina could benefit from this season, maybe I don't agree with that, but I could at least listen to that. I could at least listen to that. But taking out Rattler for Sellers, now, because people are going to be like, well, he could help you out from the pocket standpoint, all that kind of stuff. There's things that sellers, there's things that sellers, and we don't know yet. We don't know yet. We don't know yet because we haven't seen him really go out there and there's not real tape on him yet. And I hate making this comparison because people are friggin' bobos. And when they hear you make a comparison to one person to another, they instantly think you're comparing them from a skill standpoint, which isn't the case. I'm just using an example. Jason Brown didn't have a lot of tape out there going into the Florida game, and he played out of his mind. But what happened the following week? Teams realized what he liked to do. He started to spin out of the pocket, and they put a little QB spy on both sides. I'm saying that because we don't know enough about Sellers right now. I think he's going to continue to get better. He's going to continue to grow. He's going to be the future of this program. I'm excited to watch him grow. But to say right now, after what? Seeing him do a couple things on the, against the third team and fourth team in spring and making a 60-yard pass against third-team defense against Furman? Come on, over, slow down, stop, Mike. I don't, I don't know if I'm just, I just, I'll Scar, I know you got something. Oh, uh, you know, I agree with Mike completely. Like, Sellers, I agree. Sellers is the future, and you know, you you worry as a fan and as a potential coach, where you're like, okay, do we really want his first real full game of starting against whoever our opponent is going to be starting next year? Do you want that to be the case? That's the case for most programs. Most programs don't have a kid who has just been starting the entire year. He gets some junk time. And mind you, what is it, four games he can get? So we can get him in there and get some play time. But right now, we need to worry as a team about winning. Spencer gives us the best opportunity to win the games with the lack of offensive line play and the arm talent he has. Yes, Sellers has talent. But when it comes to facing top top teams – and performing at a high level consistently, Spencer has shown it this year. There's no question about it. We don't put him out. Sellers, again, he might be the future. I'm going to say he is the future, but he might be the future. He may not perform as well as we think he's going to perform in the future. I hope to God he does, because I think he showed amazing arm talent and and a calmness in the pocket that I think we're going to need as a QB back there. So I really, really hope he's going to be amazing. But no, Spencer is the guy. He's one of the best QBs in the nation right now. He just doesn't have time to perform. And if you think a freshman getting in there is going to be much better, then I don't I want to say you don't know football, but it's it's just it's the case. Spencer's yeah. out there. He maneuvers the pocket well. He's able to create time, even if he's not a true dual threat. But if that first touchdown was all because of him making a play and stepping up through the pocket and running and getting a touchdown. You know, there's plenty of plays that he saved our our offense from getting a first down or saved the play, keep it alive to find somebody downfield because of keeping it alive. Spencer's performed well. There's no reason taking him out. We just need to find ways. And I don't know if we're going to find ways because these games right now, a lot of them are going to be tight games. Maybe Youngstown State. 
All right. That's who our opponent is. Youngstown State going forward before Kentucky. Or no, Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State. Uh, yeah. Jacksonville State. And maybe that's time to get him in. Hey, let's get up early, be explosive, get him the full second half, have him get some exposure. But no, we keep Spencer in. Another thing is, I saw a comment earlier talking about what was it saying? It was something about it's always next year with the freshmen. Yeah, it's always going to be next year with the freshmen. Our coaches need to figure out how to develop and utilize the seniors we have now. But when it comes to the freshman guys we have, the young guys we have, we have to develop them. It's not just going to be an overnight. These guys played four games, and now all of a sudden they're they're playing at a senior-level status. These guys take time to develop. They came from high school. One, their bodies are going to form into a more mature body, which is crucial, especially at the offensive line and defensive line positions. I'm talking about the young guys only. I'm not talking about our seniors. That's a different story. Another thing is, their minds are going to be better. When you start understanding the game, it slows down. It becomes easier for you to utilize and, and just optimize the issues that are happening. So, for, a, for instance, our offense or our receivers, when you start understanding defense, you can expose it more because, okay, you see a cover three. Maybe I'll start leaning a little bit towards the hash to stay away from the corner. You just start understanding things. You understand why coaches are calling what they're calling. It takes development and it takes time for these guys to mature into the players we know they can become. So there's going to, as a when we're watching our freshman guys, we have to take it with a grain of salt and know that there's going to be the positives. There are also going to be some negatives with it, which is just the nature of the game. Our seniors, though, we expect much more of them, and then we're not getting consistent from that. We're not getting any consistency from our seniors and more mature guys outside of probably Spencer uh, and Xavier Leggett and some defensive guys as well. And Mario Anderson starting to step up. So we just need to find consistency. I don't really know how we find it right now outside of just getting more reps, finding better packages to put our players in better positions, knowing where their weaknesses are. And like, like I said, knowing where their weakness, our defense's weaknesses are and our offensive weaknesses are, which offensive line, defensive line for the most part, and finding packages that are going to help them in that. So we've got to find ways. This off week, our coaches need to sit back, go back in the meeting room, discuss how we can utilize and make sure our team becomes a more unit and consistent package. So, yes, yeah. yeah, Scar, absolutely. I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um, and yeah, ultimately, like right, this this football team is still a good football team at its core. And like I, the golf reference. I don't know how many of our, our viewers play golf, but I mean, it, it it Scar hit the nail on the head with that, right? Like, just they haven't been able to string a complete game together yet against, you know, a good team. And I think we saw that against Tennessee, like, right. You had to go up there and play a near perfect game if you wanted to win that. And, and especially because Tennessee had had it circled on their calendar for so long, right. It It's really tough to win when you're not executing in every facet. And I mean, about the offensive line, man, I, you know, this offensive line had been playing great up until this point and nobody's perfect, right? Like you, you can't, it's really, really hard to string together, this many games, especially with two freshmen in it. And uh, Kelly, I, we appreciate you tuning in. It was a great point talking about being from the, the Tennessee student section. Um, so we appreciate you tuning in. But um, it, it it's tough, man. It, it really is tough for two freshmen on the offensive line and an offensive line. I mean, we, Scar, we've talked about it week in, week out, how unexperienced this offensive line is, man. Um, so it, it's tough to string together game after game after game and be consistent all year because it's, I mean, nobody's perfect. And, and this offensive line just didn't have it tonight, six sacks. And, and we knew this going into this game, that this defensive line was going to be, you know, game breakers and that they were, um, you know, it, it somewhat felt like the North Carolina game with as much as Spencer was running, 
So it, it, it's just, it was tough, tough game, but rinse and repeat, right? Like you, you go into the bye week, you get some time off um, and, and, and you go from there, you, you rebound um, from there. Scar, really quickly, before I get your final thoughts, I do want to hit some ads real quick. Our first sponsor of tonight is our good friend, Clint Hammond over at the Movement Mortgage Network. He's the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, give him a call at 803-771-6933. His number is above us on all Gamecock Central live programming. Um, he's helped out our very own Wes Mitchell, Perry Orth, many, many people in Columbia with their mortgages. So give Clint a call for all of your mortgage needs. And tonight's program is also brought to you by Liberty Tax. Tax ID is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The Liberty Tax team in Lexington, Irmo, and Columbia will walk through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. If you're in a, or if you need help uh, with Uncle Sam, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open nine to five on weekdays and nine to, or I'm sorry, I'm getting the number, hours mixed up. You can give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576. Our friends over at Liberty Tax, they are the best and obviously a big sponsor for Gamecock Central. So yeah, Scar, before we close things up, any final thoughts? What you got? Yeah, so we buy a week. We have time to regroup, figure things things out, how we're going to help our defense, how we're going to help our offensive line. And hopefully we can go into Florida with a dub. I mean, we don't know the time yet, I don't think. So it's going to be a home game, though, which is big. We need to win at home. That's one thing that's going to help get us going forward in the next couple of weeks, especially that we're going away. So it's big. We have to find ways to help our offensive line, especially our tackles right now. They're They're struggling. They need help. We need to find ways to get them – tight ends that are going to chip block, running backs that are going to chip block, whatever the case may be, to give Spencer some more time. Because when Spencer's at his best is when he has time, like most QBs in the nation. So we need to find him to get time because the kid is the mo- one of the most talented QBs in the nation, and we understand that. We have weapons on the outside. We need to continue to be able to get them the ball. But without having time, that's not going to happen. So we need to find ways to consistently – our guys are our guys right now offensive line. So we need to find ways to get them help. That's going to be chip blocking. That's going to get tight ends involved. It is what it is. You saw that when Bobo was here, he did a bunch of packages with two tight end sets. I think it was because of the lack of talent on the offensive line mm-hmm. and a lack of, and the lack of consistency. So he did it because mostly he wanted to consistently get some help on the offensive line, especially the tackle position. We need to consistently stick with the run, or we need to stay with consistent with sticking to the run, continually get Mario Anderson involved in ways because I think he's continually showing us that he's capable of being a back that can be a huge asset for us. Defensively, we need to find ways to get to the QBs. I think we've shown when we get to the QB, it disrupts their pass game and it puts a lot of pressure on their QBs to perform. And it also is a way to get turnovers. Yeah. The other thing is our run game, our run pass, our run defense has got to get better. Again, I think setting the edge is going to be big because for the most part, they were bouncing out and getting a lot of their yards from outside of the box. They weren't finding the inside zone as much as they would like. There were times, yes, they gashed us with inside zone. That's going to happen. But for the most part, it was all bouncing out. So we've got to find ways to keep it all contained within the box. And our, I think a lot of that's going to be our linebackers, one, being in the right positions, and two, stepping up and just having knowledge of the game and w- 
reading the game well. I think a lot of times they were getting too bogged down in the middle of the pack and then they were bouncing and they weren't there. So we got to find ways, one, just to get our linebackers more consistent, our D-line to get to the QB more, and we've got to find ways to help out our DBs because I think if we are going to bring blitz packages, it's going to expose them, but there's so many things to factor in. You know, my Joe, it's there's so much, but hopefully we can just show some consistency, wash this week away, learn from the mistakes, go into Florida, win that game, and just show some consistency going forward, especially on away games. I think home games, we see some some continuity, we see some consistency, but these away games, you know, for the most part, we just got to find consistency. And I think we have four away games in a row. Yep. I think so. Or, so that's going to be a tough It's close. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, three or four, but bye week is going to be a good week to regroup. And I and I really hope the coaches go in there and, and you know, dial up some new packages to help both sides of the team. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, for one thing, like this, this offense, like, like I said, this is a very good football team still. They, they just have to put it all together. We have yet to see that in Florida. You're going to need to put it all together against Florida. I mean, Florida is so hit or miss. They've been so hit or miss this year. So we don't know what kind of team is going to show up from Gainesville in Columbia. Right. I I just don't. Um, And so looking ahead, like, that Florida game is going to be huge because you, I mean, the, to, if you go out and, and whoop Florida, that takes a lot of momentum into going to the other Columbia and Missouri. And then if you can continue that momentum there, you've got Texas A&M, which I have that one. I think that's circled on my calendar a little bit more than this Missouri game. But I mean, like I said, Missouri is a very fluky team that, you know, it is, is also very good, right? Brady Cook, very talented. Luther Burden, also a stud um, for Mizzou. Um, so it's it's going to be really tough uh, to get, you know, some momentum rolling. But again, you have this bye week. It's going to be – it came at the right time. I mean, you just didn't put it all together tonight. And it's uh, communication on, on all facets, right? I, I think the blame falls on anyone – or on everyone in, in, in within the football program and, and whatnot. But I, I, again – you have this bye week to put it all back together, get some rest, go home, get some home cooking. Like, I, I mean, personally, like I, I love going home just because getting my mom's cooking and like all that stuff. So I know that's going to go a long way for some of these guys just to be able to go home, take a little break from football and, and bounce back the next week. And I know this, this team is still very, very hungry. Like don't, don't get that mistaken either. Um, this season has yeah. not gone by the wayside yet. There's still some very, very important games. And if and the most important game at the end of the season, Thanksgiving week in Clemson. Um, so yeah. there's still a lot of football left to be played. And I, I don't think, you know, this team can be, um, you know, labeled or, or identified um, yet. Like the story is not complete for the South Carolina football team yet. Yeah. And I, I don't think a blowout, I guess you can call this a blowout. I mean, the, they, they, they uh, you know, scored late to, to make it a 21 point game. Uh, so I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think you can sum, you know, the season up to, to this loss in Tennessee, especially, I mean, Knoxville, we, we know Neyland is a great atmosphere and stuff like that. I'm not a, or excusing anything that happened out there, but man, like you, you need this bye week, but, um, that will do it for us tonight. Thank you guys for tuning in. We always appreciate it. Um, and obviously tomorrow, um, I will have the walkthrough. It will just be me this week. So um, you guys definitely tune in. Let me know if you like the format. If not, 
yada, yada, please chime in. Um, and also too, I, I'm going to post something on, on the forum tomorrow. Let me know what, what you guys want answered. That would be a, a big, big, big help. So just let me know, chime in. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Thank you everyone for tuning in. That will do it for us tonight on the post game show. Have a good night. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.